Welcome to Stock Odds, Odds and End podcast. I'm Dave Singh here with Rob Friesen, getting ready for the week ahead. This is our, what, Saturday Night Live edition again? <laughs> yeah, everybody? well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad again we're hitting on Saturday. We're, we must have a winning streak here of uh, being able to pull it together for Saturdays. Now, it is late, but uh, that at least means that our wonderful subscribers can see it on Sunday, and that's certainly before uh, Monday's trading action. Now, why don't you introduce us like uh, Russell Brand and, and go like, you beautiful, awakened 6.5 million viewers or <laughs> listeners or whatever. You got to get a little bit more dramatic here, buddy. I, I need some acting lessons first. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, man, he's got some funny stuff he comes up with, though. Eh? Holy smokes. Okay. Uh, we got to cover some things here. We've got uh, coming to the end of a month and the start of a brand new month. So that's always adds a few more things to look at. So why don't we get started here? So first of all, a little bit of review um, in terms of the performance of some of these uh, ETFs. So of particular note is the performance for the month so far. Uh, Diamonds 4.68, IWM Russell. So that that you know you know that that was lagging. It had been kind of behind, and it uh, finally kicked in this month as as we kind of expected. Did we not talk about possibly uh, small caps participating yeah. participating more in July with a summer rally? Did we not talk about that here? Totally. I think we did. So Hughes uh, 5.2 percent. They might have even done more and kept ahead of the IWM. Um, if it weren't for the uh, NASDAQ 100 rebalance, which kind of held a little bit of uh, some reins on some of those mega caps because they were they were charging uh, pretty good. And um, and the SPY 4.7%. So, so far this month, that is higher than um, the average performances. Uh, SPY was slated to do about 2.7 and um, it's done uh, almost double that. Uh, so. Uh, you know, really, really good to to have. First of all, the the insights, the seasonality of what can happen, and we don't mind it doing better. Um, we just like to to know kind of what the overall direction is, and if you can use that in your trading, then by all means. Uh, we like to kind of trade a bit agnostic to the potential directions, though, uh, just because that's a great baseline to operate from is to be neutral. And then from that perspective, if you want to capitalize on a discount open or a premium open or relative strength, you certainly can. Now, look at the year to date performances. Q's uh, up 44, um, again, largely driven by the mega caps and uh, SPY up 19.4, IWM up 12.66 and the Dow or the diamonds here um, on behalf of the Dow. At only 6.99% year to date. So, um, you know, they did better last year than the rest of the market. They were only down 9.1% versus like 30, what was it? 37% or something, 37.1%. Um, so they obviously did better last year, held up. Uh, and then uh, this year, just because of that defensive nature, because of the price weighted uh, context of the Dow 30. Um, first of all, you know, less sort of desirable symbols when it comes to potential growth or, you know, forward-looking market with all the things that um, it's been through and what it's 
you know, projecting going forward. Um, there's a lot of those uh, NASDAQ stocks that are just been more desirable for people, right? Like Tesla, things like that. So in the sector ETFs area, you know, all have been green for the month as well. Uh, the standouts, uh, energy, really showing itself um, in an interesting way uh, because it was lagging so much this year and then finally kicked in here in July, up 7.68%. So still down for the year, but like something's something's going on in the energy patch. And uh, the next best performer is the communications, obviously a lot driven by um, Meta. So um, for the year, 43, almost the same as uh, what the Qs have done. Meta and Google are driving communications pretty well. And then um, XLB basic materials. And that's usually because, you know, the dollar has been a bit softer over the last while um, that can drive, you know, basic materials, metals, things like that. But for the year, not, not you know, as large a performance as some of the discretionary in the tech and stuff like that. XLK up 4.1 for the year, 42. So again, very similar to what the queues have done and the communications. And the utilities, even though they had a positive month this month, like I said, everything was, was shining through because the, the market kind of changed from just the Magnificent Seven or the, the big caps, and it became a broader market rally this month, uh, which to me shows that there, there was an appetite across the board. There was strength, even more strength there than might have shown just by the index change. Uh, it was a broader market response. Um, so I thought that was pretty healthy, even in spite of the bad news and the fear mongering and the, you know, end of the world thing. It's uh, the market was was pretty strong across the board. So moving on here, this is the contributing stocks so far <laughs> this this year year to date performance. You know, Meta 170 percent. Google 49%, Tesla 116, Amazon 57, Apple 50%, Microsoft 41. I mean, these are um, uh, very, very significant uh, performances here. Um, and but it wasn't shared in in all areas. Uh, Pfizer not having a very good year, um, not just because one of its distribution manufacturing facilities went up in smoke. No, not just because of that. Uh, just um, just having a bad year, and um, Lily having a much better year, up tail of two uh, two healthcare stocks there. But um, anyway, always interesting to look through that. You can get this from Finviz um, and look at the map of the market yourself, um, and kind of look through it from uh, what's happened this last week, this last month, uh, last quarter, year to date, and um, you can drill down into them as you click on them. So, but you can see definitely the leadership in the tech space. Nvidia 219 driving the, the semiconductors, Tesla driving the discretionary area, Meta driving the communications area. For consumer electronics, Apple and Microsoft obviously leading. 
<clears throat> it's interesting. Is, five, hmm? five of those, five of those are basically AI plays and defensive plays, right? So it's, there's this perception that these big tech, tech um, big cap techs are defensive, that they're going to grow either way the economy goes down or not. And then they're all artificial intelligence plays like Tesla and Big sure. Cap, Microsoft, Google. So it's like a double whammy. Well, and some have more, like, I mean, with Tesla becoming more the standard for charging uh, uh -huh. stations too, right? I mean, Ford's going to be using their charging, GM, things like that. So so there's some that have other segments that they're operating into that are helping boost it, right? But but you're right, the large, large of largely AI, and we've talked about the AI tailwinds for the market in general. And so a, a lot of the sectors and industries will benefit from enha enhancements and adoption of technology and AI certainly can play a big role in that. And remember that layoffs are not necessarily negative for companies. Um, I mean, even Meta's proving that, that, you know, they did trim some fat and uh, they're uh, being more efficient now and a little bit change of focus too is helping them. But, um, you know, you can lay off a lot of people and, and not hurt the stock price. So it's hard for new new entrants into, you know, trading and, and investing to understand those relationships just similar to where, you know, you have earnings and the earnings are good and the stock goes down and, and, and a lot of people get confused why that is. Yeah. Probably because it's been already priced in, it's priced to perfection, it might even open up strongly you know, you had one that you were looking at last week there, LW, that uh, opened up actually and then sold off 7.5% from the open, right, yeah. on earnings day. So, you know, that can happen too. Anyway, uh, moving on, we have the last day of July seasonality for ETFs. Okay, so what pops out at you from this list here, Dave? Yeah, the themes are a lot of strength in silver and gold, even real estate and utilities. Um even the NASDAQ stuff, technology is strong, discretionary strong, but the weakness comes from the super high beta things like the ARC fund, our ARC fund stocks, and also chips, SMH and biotech. Yeah, SMH. And they've been really strong, SOX yeah. there too. So both of those SMH and SOXX are semiconductor ETFs. And biotech as well. So think of your high, high beta uh, health stocks and high beta tech stocks being weaker. But maybe the bigger cap stuff, um, a little more stronger. So, well, yeah, because like SSO is the two X bull of the spy, like the spy, right? Mm -hmm. And SDS is the inverse. And so it says, you know, SSO is supposed to be strong, SDS weak. Um, so again, just because Arc is showing here, that doesn't mean that that takes all the tech out of, out of it. Like Qs are still showing strong, mm -hmm. spy uh, through the SSO there, industrials discretionary iwf is growth right mm -hmm. so and real estate so like yeah we do have some basic materials here so this will this will depend on what the dollar's doing tomorrow or sorry not tomorrow monday uh how well this plays into this last trading day if if the dollar looks like it's going to weaken that that could be really good for these guys because they're already slated to go up so Okay, I'm just uh, looking at positive values by change in the ETF world. 62% of our 101 ETFs in our list are slated to be positive, 38 negative. 
So this is the seasonality for the stocks themselves for the last trading day of the month. Um, so Micron is, you know, a semiconductor that's slated to be weaker, but CLAC also a semiconductor slated to be stronger. So you might find some pairings. Here's AMD as well on the on the weaker side, Intel on the weaker side, right? FSLR on the stronger side, ILMN. So you you could actually come up with uh, some uh, pair combinations, you know, staying in the same sector and being long and short. So that's interesting. So, you know, you can go to Stock Odds web screener to get signals on indicators like RSI, percent %B, things like that. Um, you can also add into that some of the considerations for seasonality and maybe you know, have some matching approaches here where CLAC, for example, a, a bullish possibility for the last trading day. Also show up in, you know, some of the other screens. So just keep that in mind. Look for that combination. Okay, now on the stock side, because we don't have inverse or leveraged ETFs in here, these are the, the stocks themselves. You have 53% positive change versus 47, so not, not quite as uh, strong showing. And that also fits into this July seasonality here, where the last trading day of the month is positive for July, which is only one out of, I think only uh, three out of 12 months of the year have positive last trading days of the month. So, so July is one of them. It is a strong month historically. And look at the queues have produced 4.1% on average. And what did we see from our list up here? The queues have done 5.2% for the month. So they already beat that. But see the, the projection of it was um, 4.1 and then the SPY 2.7. So not as strong. Uh, but the last trading day is positive. And so we're seeing that also when we look at these stocks here, you know, there is a little bit more um, positive skew to things. Okay, so that's the last trading day of the month. So some interesting, some very interesting stocks here, and especially if you go through some of these and look at where they've come from. You know, if any of these uh, shorts have been up a lot, that could give you your advantage going into the Monday's trade. If any of these have been down a lot, again, that could give you your advantage. Okay, so we'll be finishing out July. Now let's roll into the first day of August for ETFs. What pops out uh, for the first trading day? Sometimes we see a complete flip-flop, like the things that were supposed to be strong on the last day of the month are, are actually uh, weak on the first day and vice versa. So what it do you see here? So from like <laughs> the, the ARK-K and um, biotech stuff is now a good long. It's exactly the opposite <laughs> of the last day of July. Now, the you know the thing we'll look at shortly here is 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 how is how is July supposed to open overall? Well, on this, on just these ETFs, you're seeing that it's actually more bearish for the first day according to these ETFs. But again, some of these have inverse in them and stuff like that or leveraged. But um, so we're getting we're getting a picture here, and let's roll to the stocks themselves. Yeah. 
well, that first day of August is supposed to be minus 0.13% for the spider. So it right. is expected to be a little soft. Um, we have that right here. Um, yeah. So actually, August ETFs, first trading day of the month, Q's, Q's supposed to be at least a slightly positive at 0.2, but uh, SPY um, negative at minus 0.13, as you said. So keeping that in mind here, it's not a huge down day, but um, interesting. So we've got we've got a lot of uh, energy stocks here on the short side. Look at this: MRO, Devon, EOG, Vale, um, Hal Halliburton, Hess, CBE. We got uh, APA. I mean, this is, I mean, this is basic materials and energy to predominantly short, which there was basic materials like GDX and GDXJ in, in the long side on the, on the last day of uh, July. Yeah. And these um, long stocks are super high beta, Etsy, Shopify, Roku, sure. Teladoc. These are the RK um, symbols. Yeah. Well, we had AMD was on the short side for the last day of, of July. Now it's over here on the long side for the first day of August. So again, Tuesday. Mm -hmm. so Tuesday is the first day of August, but um, it's also right. So, yeah, sometimes, uh, you know, Josh was pointing that out on the Friday show is that sometimes these have a lot of earnings around the time where they're showing up on these uh, first day and last day. Right. Mm -hmm. So play into it quite a bit. All right. Well, moving on here. We looked at that. So this is the ETFs for the month of August. You can see that we really don't have a great showing for August until we get into the last five days where all the performance comes from. Mm -hmm. One of those reasons, I think, is because a lot of institutions are offline, so they're, they're non-committal. And uh, if you think about the last trading days, there's many jurisdictions within the u.s that families uh, you know kids are going back to school i mean summer is over earlier than you think even before labor day right mm -hmm. so um so investor mentality is you know kind of back to work and get into some stuff that uh, maybe they didn't didn't have any investments over the summer you know especially through earning season and stuff like that so it's kind of like get back to work and you can see it pick up its performance here at the last part of august now, the other reason is that sometimes around the third Friday or that third week of August, we can have a bad session. We experience some volatility, maybe a decline. And then from that point, it pops up and performs well. Um, but anyway, for the month, SPY not expected to perform fantastic, only 0.7%, but Q is still uh, 2.3%. Now, this could be changing a bit this year only because the NASDAQ 100 algorithm changed. So this has been what has happened in the past. It might not be as robust for August. So keep that in mind. Okay. For the queues specifically. Well, plus we're coming in from a position of really elevated levels on the queues. Right. Now the first Friday of the month here, we're going to look at in terms of the ETFs and stocks, that's also supposed to be a down day for the NASDAQ and only slightly positive for the SPY. So here's the ETFs for the first Friday of the month. Yeah. So the first day of August is on Tuesday. 
and then you got a couple days until Friday, and so then this hits. And what are we seeing here? Some strength in financials, uh, which we haven't seen in the other days. It's a Cree mm-hmm. XLF. Um, again, strength in oil, XOP, um, IWM, some small caps there. And then weaker in gold, um, high beta stuff, RKK, and uh, biotech stuff, IBB. So we got a little bit of a roller coaster here. From from uh, Monday, we're gonna GDX and GDXJ and some of the other stuff supposed to be stronger, and then uh, weaker the next day. <laughs> oh no, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, stronger and then weaker, and then uh, weaker again on Friday. Okay. That could be great for mean reversion strategies. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely possible. Um, again, um, it de- it depends on. Uh, where we're headed here so we'll, we'll look at uh, what the lay of the land is on on gold because that could be interesting for the setup on monday but um now let's roll to the stocks here so we've got uh, first friday we've got uh, team carbana <laughs> yeah AMC Carvana. Like if you see stuff like that, that's been such an outlier. Like there was probably, you know, a meme trade or some, you know, in the past, some some events going on that that caused it to be this dramatic. So I would discount it a little bit. And, um, you know, you're probably going to do better by the more institutionally driven stuff like AXP, JP Morgan, Bank of America, um, you know, and over here, um, you've got... Uh, BMY, you know, uh, Shopify, Enphase, Tesla down here. But there is a theme for strength in financials just from this list here. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. And what is that showed up? Yeah, that showed up here in the yeah. KRE as well. KRE, yeah. Definitely. Okay. All right. Well, uh, that's quite a bit of info so far. Let's see what we got. Here's the economic calendar. And then after this, we'll roll to the some of the futures, and then we'll we'll be done here. So, um, what do you see with yeah. what's on the horizon this week? In terms of the reports, there's some themes, which is manufacturing data, jobless claims, and um, wages. Whether the wage inflation is uh, persistent or going to ease a bit. So, um, Tuesday, there's some ISM manufacturing, construction spending, things like that. Wednesday is an important one: ADP employment report. Mm-hmm. Thursday, again, job activity. And Friday, there's the um, unemployment rate, hourly wages, non-farm payroll. So those themes of um, employment and then that wage number will be important. If um, that number goes up, then it makes it harder for inflation to come down overall. Well, you know, it's interesting because it would be pretty much every first Friday of August, you have the same reports, right? Yeah. So and and you see the stocks that we've and the ETFs we've just looked at. So there must be some commonality to that. It, it really doesn't matter, you know, what's actually reported with the unemployment numbers. The same the same stocks in the same sectors tend to perform. Yeah. <laughs> up and down, right? So I find that hilarious. All right. Well, um, I'm just going to we're done that i'm just going to bring over the futures here and we're going to look at a couple things before we go one last point for earnings um tuesday we have amd and then yeah on thursday we have two big ones amazon and apple so those three big ones 
And then there's a long list, but you have to check your symbols against that. But the Amazon and Apple will be interesting on Thursday. Okay. Let's look at the indices. Now, again, we don't have live futures because we're not doing this show on sat on Sunday. When at 6 p.m. Eastern time, the futures uh, start trading again. But we can look at kind of where we've come from here. And I just want to point out, especially with the S&P 500, that we had, um, let me get a bit bigger here, we had an expanded trading range session there on the 27th, right? And we went and made a new 52-week high, but we also pulled back and closed below the range of the previous day. And then on Friday, that retraced, so we had an inside day on Friday. So when you're looking at that, you want to then set your um, alerts, you know, your thresholds for the high that we achieved on Friday, as well as the low that we achieved on Friday, which the low of Thursday is just slightly below that. Um, and then the high of Thursday is, is quite a distance still um, from Friday's high. But those are the thresholds that you want to set. And then uh, depending on how we open, we could have another inside day, but it is the last trading day of the month. And usually there's some fairly good movement there. So um, if we break through Friday's low, then look for Thursday's low test. If we break through that, you've got then a break of the five days and you're probably going to sell off into this moving average, the 20 day moving average. That was what I would say the target would be. If you can break both Friday's low and Thursday's low, you've then broke the five day low. So we should plunge into the 20 day. Now it may bounce off that and still close a bit higher than that. Um, and likewise, if we uh, want to rally, it's not expected to be a very strong day, right? We looked at that already. It's supposed to be slightly up, but not massively. But if we want to rally on top of this close, then I would be looking to test Thursday's high and we may tag it and pull back a bit and close uh, just below it and not actually break out, but still show a positive day. So that's how I would frame that. And let's just take a peek at the NASDAQ. And you can see that um, it's the same inside day Friday um, framing that we would do, um, but not the same distance and a, a ways to go to get to new 52 week highs. But you would definitely want to test uh, where we came from here. Same thing on the downside. We've got plenty of support and we are sitting on the 20 day. So if that was to break, um, we could sell off more significantly into, you know, this this consolidation area here before we broke to the upside. Russell. It's gotten really choppy, very violent, but we've had a big move up and so it's trying to digest all that and uh, it doesn't have that same leadership that we have. For example, if you go to the Dow, you know, um, how that sort of plotted up and just kept plodding up without that much volatility. The Russell's not like that. Much more volatility, much more skittish, and uh, you don't have that same, you know, 14 days in, in a row up or something like that. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't happen with the Russell. Um, the VIX has been uh, declining, and so overall, so we're still rel relatively low. Not a lot of put protection buying going on to you know protect other people's money sentiment is still really robust um that that could mean uh, there could be a blind side coming you know um 
it was a very strange day on Thursday, and the Bank of Japan thing uh, is actually probably a fairly significant issue going forward for the future as it does affect the carry trade. So um, there is a lot of concern that investors could get blindsided. But when that's going to happen, we don't know. All we know is that the backdrop of the broader market rally, uh, the lower volatility, um, you know, the sentiment being pretty good, a lot of great economic reports, soft landing, you know, interest rate cycles mostly done, if not done. I mean, all these type of things are adding to the fact that I think we should be heading here, and I'll put this on the monthly, I think we should be heading here to test where we came from with these all-time highs. That's what the market wants to do. Whether it can get there, I don't know. Um, but, you know, it's not just our market. You know, let's go look at the DAX. The DAX is already making new all-time highs, you know, and uh, it's a global economy too. And so, yes, it does matter that how Europe's doing, how, you know, uh, Eurostock 50's doing. I mean, everything's Nikai's firing, everything's firing on all cylinders. So it does matter. And it can contribute to a bullish uh, sentiment, which I'm not going to argue with. But I can be agnostic. I don't really care about the direction. But I, you know, can also use it uh, if I so choose. So I'm suggesting the same for you. Looking at bonds. Um, so the 10 years, you know, more widely followed for us short-term traders. And uh, you can see that it's pulled back a little bit, which meant that rates went up a little bit. So bonds decline, rates go up a little bit. Um, so they were just adjusting to the rate hike that we just experienced. I can't tell from this where we go from here. Uh, that's unknown. Uh, but if it does, you know, decline further, that means that there's something contributing to it in the terms of still a persistent inflation, regardless of maybe the economic reports. And so that could mean that we will have another rate hike or two or may even go into next year, even though they didn't indicate that. Um, so bond traders are a little more savvy than equity traders, I've found. So we have to follow what they're doing. So it'll be interesting which way we, we cycle back up or we break down here. So metals, gold is, uh, you know, hanging up there pretty well. And so we're looking at this elevated position, still lots of potential to trade sideways or to, to even move higher. It's all going to depend on this dollar here. So what is the dollar doing? We've pulled back. This is a monthly again. We've pulled back. And um, we're well off the high. We're in an area that it's spent quite a bit of time since 2015. So rolling over to the daily. Um, you know, we did dip and bounced. I, I do see this. It's, it's possible for us to. Uh, to roll over and, and dip again and go test that low, as well as a possibility of testing this high. Usually this will respond to things of concern. Um, so if the markets are bullish, sentiment is good, 
Um, inflation is maybe mostly dealt with. We're over the hump, soft landing, and there's no reason for this thing to stay that elevated. It should be reflecting, um, you know, maybe maybe a bit of unwind of the the carry trade could could be a, a situation, right? Um, some selling of the dollar. So we'll we'll have to keep that in mind uh, for our trades in gold. The way this is going to play out is. If we see signs of it rolling over on Sunday, possibly weaker pre-market on Monday, um, that would favor a long position in the basic materials. As long as it's not too much of a gap up, you don't want to pay huge premium for the opportunity. You want to still get in at a you know realistic price, maybe just to pay a little bit of premium, but not too much. Um, or you could just avoid it because it's uh you know already already moving or something like that so any any thoughts dave on that no that's okay and then one more thing to check how's our energy doing this has been the uh, big rally back up to 80 bucks a barrel on west texas crude coming from around the 67 66 67 area we've gone back up to 80 um so we did have a high up here at the 83 84 level so we'll see if we can tag that again if it can get through that it should be able to go back to 90. um so it's definitely a change we've had in july here so definitely a change hope that helps guys um good good trading next week and um we'll catch you on monday with josh with a review of the five-day swing trades and anything else that we can put together, okay? Good luck. All right, cheers.